Hey guys, I want to start my podcast by telling you about a great way to start your day, Four Sigmatic Coffee. Four Sigmatic mixes 100% Arabica beans with functional chaga mushrooms to brew a delicious cup of coffee that provides all the benefits of a caffeine boost without making you feel jittery or crashing from a previous sugar high. Enhance your focus, mood, and immune system all in one go. By the way, the chaga adds incredible nutrition, but not any mushroom flavor. And Four Sigmatic sells more than just coffee. Also protein, cacao, you know, chocolate, elixirs, super powders, and blends, giving you a myriad of ways to add a bit of health to your routine. My personal favorite is the protein powder cacao flavor. I mix it with frozen strawberries and almond milk to make a chocolate smoothie breakfast that fills me up without weighing me down. And I'm dead serious. I tried several brands of both whey and plant-based protein powders and Four Sigmatic tastes the best by far. Try it. If you don't like it, no worries. Four Sigmatic will get your money back. And Four Sigmatic makes it easy to keep the goods in stock with a subscription service that over 100,000 people use today. Sign up for one at go.foursigmatic.com slash fwcars and get an additional 10% off your first order. That's a total of 30% off your first order and 20% off every recurring order if you head to go.foursigmatic.com slash fwcars. That's g-o.f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot c-o-m slash f-w-c-a-r-s. And yes, I will have a link in the description. Doing so supports the podcast and supports good health. Kind of nice that it tastes good too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 344 of the Fun with Cars Motorsports Podcast, or episode 6 of 2023. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man who puts the tonic in gin and tonic, Chris Farouche. <laughs> hey, Chris. <laughs> See, last time you put the gin in, this time you put the tonic. It's the whole thing. You're the whole It's only well downhill from here. Chris. Next it'll be... Next it'll be ice, and then it'll be it'll be the lime. <laughs> well, I have to say one one English uh, one traditional. I don't know if it's traditional. Well, one thing I picked up in England, at the very least, is actually cucumber in your gin and tonic. I I quite like that. So I would actually do that over lime. I would say. But do you would put you the really? cucumber I, in gin and tonic, Chris? Is that a fair? <laughs> I being a, being a limey myself, I stick with the traditional lime. I must admit. Well, there, there you go. A limey. Well, we mentioned it in the last episode, and it is definitely true. We are going to talk about the other big U.S. auto manufacturer, and that is, of course, Ford. Boy, oh boy, Formula One and the United States is just becoming linked in every which way from you know forwards, backwards, and sideways. So last time we talked about Andretti and Cadillac and their big announcement and their hopes to getting into Formula One. This week, there's no hope here. This is happening. Red Bull has teamed up with Ford. That really blew me away. This is absolute genius from Ford, honestly. This is as smart as their, as their deal with Cosworth uh, to fund the DFB right, back in the 60s. Right, right, they, right, right. I mean, they are getting into bed with you know, the, the current world champions, 
a team that have had a huge amount of success um, since uh, since being formed back in what? Well, I mean, it's full circle for Ford, isn't it? Because this is the that's team. A, that's exactly where I was going. I was waiting for that. Yeah, <laughs> Red Bull because Bull it started Ford. as Stuart Haas of Stuart Haas. It started as um, Stuart Ford in what yep. was it like ninety six or ninety seven? That's and, right. I think so. And, yeah. And then that team was sold and became a full Ford manufacturer team under the Jaguar nameplate, which Ford owned at the time. It's part of their premium auto auto group. Red Bull bought Jaguar. Did I say the U enough in Jaguar? Jaguar. You did very well there, mate. Okay, you did thank you. Thank you, thank you, sir. Uh, so, I'm yeah. sure Ford want to forget about the Jaguar F1 team like most of us. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Red Bull powertrains, Red Bull have finally got to a position where they can be a full manufacturer, uh, you know, build their own chassis, build their own engine, be fully independent. And since since they've made that significant decision and, and major investment, they've been wooed by all sorts of, of uh, manufacturers, right? You had Porsche coming in, throwing um, uh, their weight around and then being told to, uh, to exit stage left. Uh, there was talks <laughs> of, a, of, of a, a reunification with Honda. Because Honda now realizing that once again they got out of the sport just a little too soon. <laughs> just I, I, just, I'm, trying to, I'm trying <laughs> to figure Honda out because man, yeah, I mean we'll have to talk about that sometime later because that that could take a little while to get through that. But yeah, and 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 especially when when you talk about motorsport, aside from Ferrari, Porsche is the brand that first pops in your head, and that was a. Oh, sorry, we couldn't come to an agreement there. And there comes Ford swooping in right now. I couldn't believe it. Yes, yeah, absolute genius. I mean, you know, for, let's give Ford some credit here. This is still the third all-time most successful engine constructor that's been associated with Formula One. Because of the Cosworth wins. connection, yes. Yeah, the, the Ford DFE did most of that, that work. But, you know, they had success, um, obviously, with Lotus in the 60s, Benetton in the 90s, all the independent teams through the 70s, Oh, 80s. that's right, Benetton Ford, that's right. Yes. And uh, Schumacher and, linked there. And, uh, and, uh, and the Stewart team, Stewart Ford did win a Grand Prix, did they not? I thought they won once. Yeah, they, they won in Germany uh, with Johnny they, Herbert. There you uh, go. Ninety nine, and then and then of course you had McLaren running Ford uh, in the Senna days. In, in and then the, how the many championships? Season. How many championships? Jaguar Pickup. I mean, there were several wins. I don't want to go over all those, but uh, Jaguar they were champions, constructor champions in five. Six, I'm trying. I can't. I'm. So, I just can't. I'll, we'll have to check on that. No, but Ford have to their credit ten. The, Constructors championships and, and assisted in thirteen drivers championships. Um, so, you know they've got pedigree and they did it. You know, then most of that success came by uh, by funding Cosworth's effort to build the little V eight engine that that could take on the likes of Renault and and uh, Honda and Ferrari. And it was brilliant, right? Worked for Ford, worked for Cosworth, worked for all the independent F one teams that used that engine for many many years. You know, they didn't have so much success as a constructor, obviously, but this is the right way to come back. You're teaming up with, with one of the big three F1 teams. Um, they're going to basically be badging the uh, Red Bull powertrain um, as a Ford, and uh, Alpha Tauri will also be running Ford-branded engines. 
Um, there may be some collaboration technically. Yeah, there, there may not be. It doesn't really matter, does it? Ford's going to get <laughs> tremendous exposure from uh, from any success that comes from that partnership. And, you know, it'd be a brave band to bet against it, really. So it's a very smart piece of business by Ford, I think, and, and good for Red Bull as well. Makes a lot of sense for them, too. Yes, absolutely right. I mean, it, it to have a partner like that and to have a partner to be able to announce it right in this big upswing of U.S. interest in the sport, uh, the timing couldn't be better. And to for Ford to partner themselves with a team that is known for extreme sports, the energy drink persona, all that, the youthful persona, all those things, from like a marketing and branding point of view, all of that is to Ford's benefit. And 2026 is going to be... Um, a new uh, powertrain era, a lot more emphasis on the electric side of the powertrain or the power unit, as it were. Ford is invested very heavily into electrification of their consumer auto products, um, you know, their cars. So, um, you know, all of that lines up really well. And that, in my mind, is could be where the technical side of the partnership lines up, where Ford gets to contribute a little bit to the EV side of the powertrain and then learn some things on their own to invest in, in their own cars. That's where I'm guessing the technical side of it may come into play. Also, yes, this is now Red Bull powertrains, but it's, 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 it's basically, it's a Honda. It's a Honda powertrain. (laughs) And, and it's, it's a Honda, it's, they hired a bunch of Honda engineers. So Ford now gets to poke their nose at, you know some of the stuff that Honda's been up to. That's not a bad idea either. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, obviously, so Honda's actually going to be back on the Red Bulls for this year. Um, so they actually realised that they should cash in on some of the success uh, that they invested so heavily in. Um, worked very they hard have to gone, achieve. They've gone back and forth on that so much. It's been so frustrating. So, you know, yeah. it, we'll we'll see. I, mean, I I I really hope I'm wrong. I really really hope I'm wrong. But now that Honda's, like, committed again, is Mercedes just going to go back and dominate? <laughs> because it just, it just Honda just is the worst luck when it comes to really committing to this stuff. Well, the, the, so if we're finished on, on the Ford announcement, I mean, the Honda situation is just utterly fascinating. So, Well, I think all they... of this is connected, by the way, Chris, the Ford and <laughs> Honda, all of it. It's just one beautiful tangled web. I mean, when, when Honda decides to pull out of Formula One, it does so, you know, the whole way. So when, when, they, when they got rid of their F1 team and sold it to Braun, uh, which immediately then, of course, won a championship. Um, sold it know, to they, Braun, they, and Braun only bought it out of absolute desperation to get this car on track. And then, of course, that team turned into the most successful constructor ever, <laughs> winning eight, <laughs> eight consecutive constructors' championships. But we digress. Um, you know, so they sold the factory, they sold everything. They said, we'd ever want to be fo- part of Formula One again. And of course, you know, then they thought about it. Uh, then they decided, actually, we do. We want to come back. <laughs> and uh, they go through their typical period of pain. Um, and uh, But they, again, build a winning Formula One engine. Um, and they sell the whole kit and caboodle again. So they sold off all of the operations they had in Europe that were, that were building... 
the engines. Um, and so he sold it all off to Red Bull. We'll never want to do that again. Uh, and then 12 <laughs> months later, they're like, you know, maybe we were a little rash. And so now if they want to come back in, which is, which is what they plan to do in 2026, they've got to reestablish everything from scratch again. It's extraordinary. Yeah. I, it's going to be so fascinating to see because that means that if if this all plays out, that they'll be competing against themselves effectively. You know, well, it will be a new engine in twenty six. Uh, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. But you know, For Red Bull, right? But yes, in terms of the intellectual the property legacy. and the brain trust and legacy and all, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the whole thing it, it's just utterly bizarre. So. I was really surprised that the appeal of being branded with Porsche wasn't stronger than it. You know, that that was as big of a surprise as anything, you know, in terms of like cachet of just like instant recognition of a brand. Porsche is one of the best out there. And I would just, you know, Ford just doesn't have that. And so what, what do you think was the appeal of Ford over Porsche from Red Bull's point of view? Oh, control, right? I mean, you know, if you think about Red Bull and all their success, um, the thing that's been a constant thorn in their side has been the powertrain. You know, the partnership with Renault was always acrimonious and, and uh, you know, they were so unhappy about all those years in the wilderness with Mercedes dominating and Red Bull's chassis was perfectly up to the job, but the powertrain wasn't. And so I think they, the whole idea of Red Bull powertrain was born out of the idea of fully independence, you know, no longer relying on a partner to produce a critical component that, that could determine their success or otherwise. They wanted to have that all in-house and be masters of their own destiny. And so the last thing they wanted to do was have to relinquish that to, a, uh, to an, an external company who, you know, the Porsche aren't going to be a silent partner. Porsche are going to come in and, and want to run the show, right? So sure. um, it, that, that's, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you know, a $4 is as good as a Porsche Euro. And um, it's it's all about them, you know, being successful, having total control over their destiny and having someone help foot the bill for it. I mean, I think it's it's a win win for Ford and for um, Red Bull. And and it's interesting, although we we chuckle about Honda's predicament, uh, Porsche's in a in a worse situation. I mean, what have Porsche got now? I don't think they got anything, have they? It's Mm. doesn't look good for them if they're serious about entering the sport in 2026 they don't have much time and what's fascinating about well i thought audi audi already committed and i would think that that would mostly rule porsche out the board approved both both of them to enter formula one right so Hmm. so volkswagen group have have said oh as bizarre as it sounds we'll continue to allow two of our brands to compete in the same formula, which they've done in the past, right? They competed at Le Mans. Yeah, well, Le Mans, quite famously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so that was agreed. What is fascinating about it is that the efforts are entirely independent. And so although Audi is using uh, an early Porsche engine design, um, there seems to be no consideration for the two teams or the two companies to work together on their Formula One effort. In fact, it seems to be they'd rather work with anyone but each other. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Audi are in pretty good shape, right? They've got they've committed fully. They they bought into Sauber. Um, they're they're hiring 
personnel. I mean, it's all guns blazing. They're, they're moving full speed ahead, whereas Porsche have, from what I can tell and what most people can tell, is nothing. They don't have anything at this point. So you have to question whether or not they're, they're actually going to ever come into the sport, certainly in 2026. Well, Porsche is definitely there in IMSA, and that will 100% include um, uh, Le Mans and probably, um, and probably WEC as well. They might, maybe I'm just not up to speed and they're already in WEC. So in Formula 1 specifically, maybe they're just saying, well, we had a pretty specific idea of what we wanted to do. If we can't do it this way, then we're just not going to bother. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting question, certainly. I mean, the Volkswagen Group is an interesting one. The the thing that fascinates me, uh, just one more thought, the, yeah. about the whole merry-go-round here with engine manufacturers and, and also, as we talked about in the last pod with Andretti, is that it seems to me that there's a couple of teams that are ripe for the picking here, that whether it's a Williams or a Haas or, a, you know, one of the other slightly weaker teams, I mean, even someone like McLaren. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that one of those will not get into bed with one of these manufacturers, whether it's Honda or Porsche. Um, Williams especially. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're struggling. They, they desperately need, you know, more investment and a, and a, and a reboot. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the way in. I mean, Andretti, to try and start your own operation from scratch is, is a hugely challenging uh, Endeavor, so they'd be much better off coming in and, and partnering or, or, or buying into a team, I think. And, and the same with the, the manufacturers that are serious about 2026. Uh, I mean, Honda have said there's a lot of interest in their return, as there should be, right? As they, you know, currently produce the most successful engine in the sport, arguably. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's that there's a lot more to come. I think, I think Formula One's gonna go through one of its uh, sort of every sort of decade or so transformation where there's a lot of investment, a lot of, a lot of new faces and teams and manufacturers coming into the sport. And, uh, and the good thing is this time that with the budget cap, you know, it can't be this unlimited arms race of just mass expenditure. There has to be a limit to it, but it'll, it'll certainly raise the competitive level once again, which can only be good for, for the, you know, the more, the more money and, and successful teams we have, hopefully the more uh, variety we'll have in, in, manufacturers and, and uh, drivers winning and winning championships so so that could, could only be good for us yes that, that is that is certainly the biggest hope now um time to shift topics but this is something we haven't done in a while and i'm really really happy to be able to do this we got an email from a listener that wanted to say guys first i just wanted to say that i love the show and want you to keep up the good work on the podcast thank you so much for that who is this? This is Lori Jordan, one of one of our favorite listeners. Really appreciate hearing from you, Lori. She said, what I came here to say, I am not a fan of sprint qualifying. I think the races are largely only interesting for, for <laughs> the first few in laps. Day. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, that's a good one, Chris. Um, I think it's only interesting for the first few laps, and I miss seeing the pure racing that a great driver can pull out on an amazing one-lap qualifying. The only sprint race that works is Brazil, and boy, does it ever. I rewatched the 2021 uh, this morning, and it was fantastic. Not just because I'm a Hamilton fan. Lots of moves were made, and it was just an exciting little race. I haven't rewatched 2022 yet, but I will because it was great, too. 
Based on what you have said on the podcast, I think you'll both agree with me on the sprint qualifying, so I won't get on my soapbox about it. But I hope we are going to see this year that it won't be... Hold on, make sure I say this right. But I hope they are going to see this year that it won't be a good thing to have as many as they put in this year. All the best. Uh, yeah, I, the spring qualifying, I think you've, you've warmed up to it more than I have, Chris. But, ugh, I mean, I just, I, I just really have a hard time with it. And they, there's plenty of intrigue and drama and politic going around Formula One. The sprint qualifying, to me, is just a distraction. Yeah, for those that aren't fans of, of the format, uh, having six this year is not good news. Um, and I don't disagree. Some of the sprint races have been so dull. Um, it's like, why, why are we going to this trouble? Um, fortunately, they haven't all been that dull, and I live in hope that we will have uh, exciting sprint qualifying races in the future. But uh, Well, maybe all I, six will be in Brazil. <laughs> there you go <laughs> right? it's, just, it's like twist on the format yeah um, just do it yeah it, you know it does help if you pick venues where overtaking's more likely than not doesn't it yeah uh, i think you know, again if you're really not a fan then just tune in on a sunday morning and pretend it never happened <laughs> <laughs> or or as you implied with the name Let's just go all in on the lorries. Let's make sprint <laughs> qualifying a lorry race. And uh, you, the drivers have to have all of their crew in the trailer behind them. That could be interesting. And I see no bad that could ever come of it. That would be pure good. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's going to be it for today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Yes, You've heard it. If this is, unless it's the first time listening to this, we I do have a YouTube channel, and I desperately would love you for you to go and check it out. I am going to go ahead and put a link to one of my latest videos um, in the description if you're at all curious. And please, please, please do seriously check out the Four Sigmatic stuff. I also have a link to that ad in the description. Um, it is properly good stuff. Um, I, like I said in the ad, this is very true. I do use their um, their protein to make uh, smoothies in the morning. I think it's really good stuff. And, you know, mushrooms are great in all their forms. So definitely check that out. But for now, I want to thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcast. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com and tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. Oh, Chris, I, you know, it's so great to talk. I feel, you know, we, we do these different podcasts, but I feel just like we don't skip a beat. It, it's just like we end one episode and we start another right away. And I, and I just love that about it. <laughs> it's been fun as always, Robin. <laughs> I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye. <laughs>